reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Hear God's word to us. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, good morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Gabe Coyle. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community's downtown campus. And I have to say, I'm not proud of this, okay? But if you were to make a word cloud out of the things that are said and the things that are done and the emotions that are felt most mornings in my household, the word in all caps and bold, and it would be huge in the word cloud, is the word hurry. (laughs) You know, I get up at the crack of dawn, like I'm just thinking about this past Monday, right? We're talking about church for Monday. This past Monday, got up at the crack of dawn, made a quick cup of coffee, got in a short workout, read a little bit of the Bible, prayed pretty quick, got some clothes on, then I'm, I'm in charge of helping my daughter who's going to pre-kindergarten get ready for pre-kindergarten in the morning. So it takes a lot of focus to put on one sock when you're in pre-kindergarten, and then you focus on the next sock, Right? So then we went down, we had breakfast together. Man, what else did we do? Oh, I threw some food in her backpack. Um, I yelled at her to put on her shoes uh, and to then put on her coat and then to put on her mittens and then to put on her toboggan and then to put on her shoes again. Why are your shoes off? You know, like we just put them on. Then we jump in the car. We make it through some yellowish, orangish lights to the school. And then I zip to a meeting. And I got to be honest, this last Monday, I... After all these things that have happened, I sat down at my desk, which is like right up there, and uh, opened up this passage. And the first thing that came across my mind as I was reading that passage was, who has time to be a good neighbor like this, right? In fact, there's an interesting study uh, back in 1973. There was a group of social psychologists who wanted to explore through an experiment the answer to the question, what's... What motivates people 
to actually stop their lives and help somebody when they're in distress? What's like the primary motivator? You know, is it personality? Is it cultural conditioning? Is there unique elements to the situation? What's the primary factor that causes someone to actually stop and help somebody in distress? And they wanted to kind of have some controlled variables, right, and some other things they can't control. But one of them, they, they wanted to have test subjects who really knew the Good Samaritan story already. So what they did is they chose a class of future pastors at Princeton Theological Seminary as like their test case. And this is, this is how it went down. So they kind of said, hey, you're in a part of this a special experiment, and we want to get to know your personality. So they took these personality tests. And they said, well, we need to do some more research and find out some more information. So you're going to go from this building to this building over here, and you're going to give a quick presentation to a class. Some of them were going to give a presentation on the Good Samaritan. Some of them were going to give a presentation on their future work and some of the challenges of being a student and a future pastor, right? So they have all these different variables, but here's what they did. They told a third of this test class that they were already late, <laughs> They were already late to go and give this presentation at this class. It's already started, and they're already going to be showing up late. They told another third of this test group that they were going to be there right on time, so they needed to leave right away. They told the last third that the class had been delayed, that the class had been delayed, but they shouldn't dwaddle, right? They should still make their way over there. Now, in between the building where they told them this and the building where they told them they needed to go, they positioned a man. And he's the real experiment, the real test, right? He's slumped over. And when, when the student would walk by, he would cough and he would groan in like this deep pain. And if, if one of these students were to approach him, you know, and they would say, are you doing okay? He was coached to say, he was told to say, yeah, I have a condition. I just took medication for it. I'll be fine in a minute. And then if they press just a little bit harder, to say, hey, why don't you come into this warm building? Come on over. Then he was supposed to be willing to go into that warm building. Now, interestingly enough, all of the students actually saw the man slumped over, heard him coughing, and some actually stopped, and some actually got him to go into the building. And, and what the researchers found, you know, astounded them. What they discovered after they assessed all the different data points and all the different factors of this experiment was this, that the primary the primary factor as to whether or not someone would stop what they were doing and help was whether or not, man, we've got a moment, right? right? You know, like, <laughs> so how many of you are going to stop? This is the test. No, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, the primary, you're all like, what is it? The primary factor as to whether or not someone would stop, disorganize their life, and really help someone in distress was whether or not they felt like they were in a Hurry. Hurry. And I love what the, 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 the study said. The study made it hard not to conclude that ethics become a luxury as the speed of our daily lives increase. And then it goes on to say that time pressure had narrowed their cognitive map as they raced by. They had seen without seeing. I mean, how true is that for most of our lives when you just think about the rhythm of your every day? I mean, life feels like it's so fast that we're sprinting at work. Home life is anything but calm. <laughs> and then you're running everywhere in between such that every bit of life can feel like it's just in a blur, right? You kind of look back and it's like sometimes we do this with our kids or we do this with family. Like, what was your highlight of the week? What was my week, right? Um, 
And I know for me, when it comes to seeing individuals who are in deep pain, heartache, or just in need of even some quick help, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, or in the broader downtown community, I so easily come with a litany of excuses, and at the top of the list is what? I just don't have time right now. Right? And when there are so many situations around us, and we so often come with excuses, what's so powerful is that in the story that Jesus gives, we find a man who actually stops. And he meets someone in distress. And your Monday and my Monday, our everyday lives, we desperately need to hear what Jesus has to say here in this very familiar, or at least seemingly familiar, story. So this year we're in a series as a church seeking to clarify our calling to be a church for Monday. Following Jesus in all of life. And as a pastoral staff, we kind of scour the pages of Scripture and we found at least seven distinguishing markers. There are more, but this is a good starting place and they're not sequential and we'll never arrive at them this side of heaven. But they're helpful markers to show that we're on the path with Jesus. They're markers to show that we're really ready to follow Jesus, not just on Sunday, but on Monday. And today in our passage, we're looking at mark number five. And the fifth mark of someone who's ready for Monday is that they give themselves, they give themselves away. People who follow Jesus, people who follow Jesus, they actually have this generosity that mirrors Jesus' presence and his practice. Jesus gave himself away in an extraordinarily moving and beautiful way wherever he went. And in fact, we'll come to see that your Monday is only life-giving when you give yourselves away. But how on earth do we do that, right? How on earth do we actually do that when we feel spent? <laughs> and we already feel like we've given everything away, right? Well, we're going to look at two steps, two really crucial steps that will help us to be more generous and so no more joy in a really pressured and hurried world, okay? So let's take a look together. If you haven't already, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. The context here is that we find a guy who approaches Jesus who really knows his Bible, right? And he starts peppering Jesus with a particular question. The original question he asks has to do with, okay, how do I have a certain kind of life that will know no end? How do I inherit eternal life? How can I have like real life that nothing, whenever anything else happens in life, even when death comes, it will not be able to stop this beautiful, this powerful life that God offers. And Jesus, who loves the scriptures and knows that this man knows the scriptures, asks him a pretty pointed question. What do the scriptures say? The Hebrew scriptures. What has God spoken throughout history that he's revealed and he's given to us? What does he say? And then this brilliant man responds back with two things, right? He says, love God, you know, the Hebrew, the God of Israel. Very clear answer here. Not just any God, but love God with everything and love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. And then Jesus says what? A plus, great job gold star. Now go and do it. And the question that the man asks in following is really the setup for one of the most well-known stories in the world, the Good Samaritan story. When it comes to what Jesus is calling his followers to do, those who want to know what it means to be fully human, those who follow him in everything when it comes to Monday. And the question he asks, 
either asking for clarification, more than likely asking for a loophole so he can feel good about not doing the right thing, which sometimes we ask questions for that reason too, right? A justification some translations have to justify himself. He asks, well, who's my neighbor really? And so Jesus tells a story. He tells a story of a man who's going from Jerusalem down to Jericho on a business trip. And whether he's on a back alley road, on that pathway, whatever, there are some robbers who want to come and take advantage. So they beat this man up. They steal his clothes. So he's naked, right? And he's sitting on the side of the road. He's got nothing. I mean, barely hanging on to life. He's got absolutely nothing. He can't walk away from as much brutality as this to happen to him. Everything's been taken. And they leave him there. And by good fortune, two people walk by initially. People who should know better, a Levite and a priest, people who know the scriptures backwards and forwards, right? And they come up to these two Jewish men and they see a Jewish man sitting by the side of the road. And then they both individually, unbeknownst of the other situation, walk by this man. Now, we don't know why were they in a hurry. Jesus doesn't give us all the explanation as to why they didn't. We just know that they did not stop. And then we come to a man who does stop, a Samaritan. And he doesn't stop because of what he sees. Do you notice? I mean, everybody saw the same thing. The first two guys and the Samaritan saw the vulnerable man in his vulnerable state. They saw the same thing. But the reason the Samaritan disorders his life, changes his business schedule, and, and now leans all in to care for this man is not because of what he saw, but how he saw the abused man. And isn't that what we see in verse 33 when we read, when he, the Samaritan, saw him, he had compassion. Now, this Greek word that's translated in English for us, compassion, shows up four times in the New Testament. And every time it shows up, it describes a deep, like a, a pang in the intestines, like a full-bodied ache over the brokenness that's before him in a way that you would see one of your own family members, your own flesh and blood, as if you yourself were right there in all of this brokenness. And you can't help but help them. Because it's, it's not just someone who's over there. It's you. It's as if you were right there. And this is, this is so important. In the midst of our hurried and pressured world, if we have any chance of stopping... And growing generosity, growing in who we've been created to be. If your Monday is going to be life-giving and you're going to be able to give yourself away, here's the first step. You need to see yourself in the other. You need to put yourself in the shoes of your coworkers. You need to put yourself in the little shoes of your children. <laughs> How are they seeing this? How are they processing this? Put, your, put yourself in the position of your boss. Think about life from the vantage point of the racial or the cultural other. Imagine if you had a different orientation or you were a different gender. This is what we mean by the word empathy, not just sympathy as you feeling sorry for someone, but you're entering into the world and trying to now understand as if it were you in their shoes what you would feel, and you begin to see and empathize. And listen, if we do not practice, if we do not cultivate, if we do not grow in empathy, we will never, ever stop when we see those moments of distress. That's exactly right. You remember your story. And isn't that right, Lynn? When you, 
There's something about this. My mom used to always tell me this isn't anywhere in here, but Lynn, you brought it up. It's your fault. So uh, my mom used to always tell me this. She, she would say, you can tell when someone's been broken. Because they're so, the, the road, the distance in empathy is so much shorter because you remember where you've been and you remember when others came alongside of you. And this is so crucial. If you want to grow in generosity, which we are made in the image of a generous God, if you want to become the person that Jesus is calling you to in life and life abundant, you have to see yourself in the other. And so here's what we're going to do because so much of life is busied and hurried. I want you to take this moment of ref- just as a time of reflection. And I want you to think about this question, okay? Think about this question. Reflect in your own heart and mind. In whom do you struggle to see yourself? You know, the, the very title of this story, as we find it in our text, the Good Samaritan, screams radical empathy. Because the Samaritans and the Jews were a polarized people. <laughs> Much like we experience a lot of polarization today. Samaritans and Jews had different religious perspectives. There were some common ground, but they still had great differences. National perspectives, political perspectives, different ethnic identities, history of violence one against the other. There was so much that made them abhor the other and see them as a complete other. And then in Jesus' brilliance, when he's talking to a group of Jews, he takes someone that they could never imagine seeing themselves in. And he says, look, the Samaritan is the hero. And he looks across to a Jewish brother who's down and he treats him as if he can see himself in the other. And that is step one before we can ever hope to slow down, to stop, and disorder our lives to care for for folks in distress is to see yourself in the other. And whom do you struggle to see yourself? Yeah, but who's my neighbor really? She's the orphan, the poor, the homeless, the really wealthy. Yeah, but who's my neighbor really? It's the child molester. The woman who had an abortion. The baby that's there in utero that has an identity, that has a name, that has a beating heart that's asking as to whether or not that baby, that little boy or that little girl will be aborted. Yeah, but who's my neighbor really? It's the man with the Make Make America Great Again hat. It's the woman who's here as an illegal immigrant. Yeah, but who's my neighbor really? It's the gay couple next door. It's the divorcee. It's the single mom. It's the Syrian refugee. It's the black man. It's the Asian woman. It's the white man. It's the mentally ill. In whom do you struggle to see yourself and so see the common humanity? You don't know the conditions of the Jericho Road that brought people to the brokenness in which you see them. In whom do you struggle to see yourself? until we've cultivated, until we've allowed the Spirit of God to grow us in empathy, your Monday and its life-giving qualities will consistently be limited by the limitation of your generosity towards others. See yourself in the other. That's step one. Then you can move on to step two. And this is it. This is step two. Do what you'd want someone to do for you if you were them. 
That's really important. Now, last part. Do what you would want someone to do for you if you were them. Isn't that what we all want when we find ourselves in crisis? Like someone to listen to us and actually understand where we are and not assume they already understand what the solution's going to be, but to listen, to enter into our world and then walk with us that extra mile. Now, I know as soon as I say that, this goes back to that initial complaint, and it's like, Gabe, I don't feel like I have the extra time or the money to go the extra mile with anyone right now. First, if you haven't grabbed one of these, our little Church for Monday books, we've got more back there. These are our companion guides to this sermon series with helpful questions, framework, articles to help us to continue to grow throughout the week in this shared conversation. And this week, alongside of this text, you're going to find a series of questions to help you assess your margin financially, assess your margin in time, assess your margin and even your talents and how you're leveraging those towards others and how to better know what you have and how to expand your generosity because, listen, there is a margin hidden there. We just may not be aware of it, and there are ways to make more margin if we work at it. So if you haven't grabbed one of these, grab one of those, and I, that's going to be a helpful tool in helping expand your capacity to do that. Secondly, what we have to understand, we are, we're brilliant at post hoc justification, of feeling really good about doing the wrong thing, <laughs> right? Giving all these reasons why we did the right thing when it wasn't the right, the right thing. There are always things in our lives that are going to feel way more important than pausing and coming alongside of someone else. Always. But if you begin to see yourself in the other, and you begin... It begins to open up the pathway and the margin to actually do what you'd want someone to do for you if you were them. Because listen, if something happened, we all have these relationships in our lives, right? If something happened to Allie, to Ava, to Israel, or Zion, I'm not going to walk by. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, you know what? That's really sweet. You know, I'm sorry, sweetie, but I got I to gotta go to this meeting. Good luck. Like, I won't be married for very long if I said that to Allie in those kinds of moments, Right? And yet we, we come across strangers, and now Jesus is painting a picture of a whole new framework, and not just what we see, but how we see other folks who may not be a part of your biological circle, but do share a common humanity that should move us to brokenness and action. Now, I know another question or pushback um, is, well, Gabe, I don't, know, I don't know the right course of action to move forward. You know, it's fascinating in the Good Samaritan story here, the majority of the text is the Samaritan doing what? Giving of himself and doing everything he can to help that individual get back on their feet, to experience restoration. And sometimes finding out and knowing what the path towards restoration is, is difficult because there are plenty of folks who are going to take advantage of your kindness. There are plenty of folks who will be manipulative. There are plenty of folks who actually don't know what's good for themselves because they're stuck in the midst of destructive cycles of addiction or so on. And there are plenty of folks who just don't know the options. Right? Very real situations. And so in the midst of that, we've actually created a resource for us. I know some of you have been asking this question. It's, called, it's the local assistance. We've got a bunch of copies printed back there. And it describes who we are if somebody needs help financially. It gives assistance and guidance to talk to one of us as, a pas as the pastors. Also on here, you have a series of hotlines, homeless hotline, United Way hotline. So somebody needs help paying their bills, you actually don't have to open your wallet. 
There are resources in our city. And maybe the most important thing you can give is your time to make the call, to make the connection. Churches aren't meant to be these isolated little communities. Let's leverage the brilliant institutions that we have surrounding us that are providing great resources that are better positioned, strategically trained to help people go the distance and not just help them over one meal. There's elderly abuse hotline. There's a suicide hotline. There's child abuse and neglect. There's Rose Brooks. There's domestic violence, right? Veterans Affairs. And then on the back of this, we have lists of when there are free meals available in downtown that are just like a block or two. There's one that's always available Sunday afternoon right after church. Always. City Union Mission. Information about shelters and where to stay. There are great opportunities for job growth and description. Full Employment Council. Grand Avenue Temple has a health clinic. There are places to do private showers for men and women. Know the resources that are available such that the most important resource, ironically enough again, that is needed from each and every one of us is time. Time. And just so everybody knows, too, we do have a policy here that that this isn't a place in terms of creating a safe community where anybody is allowed to pressure anybody to ask for money. But if you do have a financial assistance or need, come talk with me. We actually have a whole benevolence process. And that's not because we want to say no. It's because we want to give a bigger yes. Oftentimes when people come ask for benevolence, we end up giving more than what they're asking for, mainly because we want to help navigate what are the systems and the structures that got to this point and how can we as a system and a structure as a church come alongside to bring full restoration, to get back on your feet because the greatest component of human dignity isn't to constantly live in dependence of others, but to grow into independence so that you can generously give to others. If we're made in the image of a generous God, isn't that our full trajectory that we want to empower every single individual who comes into this church to be able to give themselves away, not to constantly need others? And there are times every single person, regardless of your financial impact, need others. But hopefully our goal is to constantly be pointing us to Christ, our dependence upon him, and our opportunity to now each and every one of us be generous to those around us. See yourself in the other and do what you'd want someone to do for you if you were them. Now, I, I know when you hear that, it's like, Gabe, this isn't novel, but it's still kind of rare isn't it? <laughs> you know, one of my favorite quotes is from G.K. Chesterton, a thoughtful journalist and theologian in the 20th century. And he said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. So let's try it. In the words of Jesus, he, he gives a very... There's not a lot of hard work to figure out what Jesus says. You don't have to have a seminary degree to navigate the Good Samaritan. And then at the end, what does he just say? Now go and do likewise. So let's try that more. Try it at home. Some of the most oft-overlooked neighbors are the family you live under the same roof with. Try it at work. Try it in our downtown neighborhood. Be equipped. Okay? You are resourced now to know of the many resources we have to help make sustainable impact. Try it wherever you are. And when we do, and we start leaning more into what Jesus is calling us to on Monday in all of our lives, and we begin to see ourselves in the other, whoever that other is for you, 
And you begin to do for someone what, they, what some, you would want someone to do for you if you were them in the midst of crisis. Then it's beautiful what you begin to see God doing in you and through you and even what you get to receive in the process. Let's watch a good example of that this morning. I'm Steve Brown, and uh, we have been part of Christ Community for over 30 years. About six years ago, a good buddy of mine, uh, John Emanuels, he and his partner had asked me if, if uh, I'd be willing to come over and help set up a company for them. I had no idea how to do that, uh, but we jumped in together right after the holidays, and uh, six months later, in July of 2013, launched an entity called Axiom Property Management. The thought of starting this wasn't just so much uh, for what it needed to be from an economic engine, which it is, but to do it in a way that would be God-honoring and uh, to have an opportunity to um, impact uh, the residents, uh, which the properties that we own, and uh, the associates that work for us. Yeah, I think if you had asked me you know, seven years ago, uh, who to pray for at work. I might have struggled thinking through who to pray for. Well, I can rattle off a list of 40 people now that uh, we, we get together once a month uh, and pray for our associates. The properties that we take over are, uh, they're older, they've been neglected often by the owners. So all that, I think, is part of just peeling, peeling back some of the darkness too, just in the sense of taking a property that is neglected and making it better so that the community around that property also sees a little bit of God light as well. Last spring I was over here and we'd had a, a young high school student <clears throat> commit suicide. And when I left the property, I just thought, man, this is just, it's just a lot of darkness here. And uh, I didn't know where, uh, I knew we had a campus in Shawnee and so I reached out to the campus pastor and just wanted to know if there's any way that uh, there could be some partnership and then took a drive to look at the campuses that we, the, the properties that we own in the Shawnee area and just to dream a little bit about what that partnership could look like. From that, uh, we made a decision uh, for the summer to, uh, to do several cookouts. We felt that uh, this would be a great way to to make a difference at the property would be to let's well, just serve some meals. There's no agenda. There's no nothing other than we're going to set up and serve for you and uh, have uh, a chance for you to uh, get to know us and for Christ Community to come onto the the property and begin to develop some relationships. Again, you look at the Shawnee area and you drive where we're at. I mean, there's some you wouldn't perceive that there's needs around here. And yet, behind these walls, there's lots of needs. And then now, as we've uh, come to the, the point of, uh, you decide that we're gonna have a, have a physical facility for Christ Community in the area, it's just a stone's throw from where the property's at. So it just was, to me, just a God moment in terms of uh, that call, what you had to share, it's like, here we go. I don't think that's just by happen chance. I'm sure God had a plan in, in directing hearts and minds in a certain way. Well, one thing consistently is true that no matter what community you're a part of, 
there's always a space where God is calling us to be generous. No matter whether that's at work, whether that's at home in the broader community. And as followers of Jesus, may we understand and, when, and, and lean into the Christ-like life, the Christian life. I mean, Christianity is so unique, right? It's so unique in its origin story that the founder of Christianity died for the people who beat him and abandoned him. Islam, Muhammad, right? The founder, what did he do? He actually started with warfare, conquering for conversion, death for conversion, Buddha, right? And, and Buddhism, what is it? It's like pain is an illusion, and at the end of it, we all become one, but diversity disappears, distinction disappears, and there's oneness because there's sameness, unity, and uniformity. Christianity, Jesus both acknowledges the awful atrocities of pain while simultaneously acknowledging, continuing to celebrate, and keep distinctions, not as a space for destruction, but unity in diversity in the midst of pain. And then he's, and he's not only the one who is the ultimate good Samaritan, but he's the one who's beaten alongside of the road. He is the sacrifice as well as the Savior, and he does it all for the joy set before him. He is the one who shows us that our Monday is only life-giving when we give ourselves away. And our joy is found there, and so is the joy of our neighbors and our intimate interconnection as a community. So may we go and do likewise. Well, in light of that, um, we have some wonderful friends from Mission Adelante who have taught me so much as to what that looks like here in Kansas City and what it looks like to be a faithful and loving good neighbor and continue to sharpen me and us as a church. And it's wonderful to partner with them. And I'd love to invite you all to come up here. Let's welcome them to Christ Community's downtown campus. And why don't you, for the sake of everyone here, why don't we go down the line and each of you say your name and what role you have at Mission Adelante. Great. Hello, friends. Uh, my name is Jarrett Meek, and I'm the founder and executive director at Mission Adelante. Happy to be here today. My name is Janelis Lopez. I'm from Cuba, and I'm the ministry director of Mission Adelante. My name is Giselle Vasquez. I come from Cuba, too. I am the assistant ministry director. Excellent. Well, something that you can hold on to, you know, we'll hold on to. Um, one, of, one of the things that I thought was really fun, we, we are, had this plan for you coming today for a while, um, but little did we know, or little did I know, uh, that in the midst of preaching on the Good Samaritan, I just forgot how essential the Good Samaritan story is to the origination and the beginning of Mission Adelante and your story. Would you tell us a little bit about that journey, just to kind of catch us all up to speed on, yeah, how God brought you to start Mission Adelante? Sure, yeah. This, this uh I will tell a little bit of my story, and this Good Samaritan story is also, it is foundational at Mission Adelante, but for us it really started when we were uh, called to be missionaries in Bolivia, and my family and I, our first step was to go to Costa Rica and learn Spanish. So we're down there, we're fish out of water, we don't know which way's up, and we don't know how to shop for groceries. There's a whole lot of things that we need to learn, and we had this family who was from Costa Rica didn't speak much English or any English, and we didn't speak much Spanish, but they befriended us, and they took us under their wing, and they really demonstrated to us what God wants us to do with immigrants and foreigners who come to our own country. So that was the seed that God planted in our hearts for, um, to start Mission Adelante when we returned. So uh, when we, whenever we orient new volunteers at Mission Adelante, 
the core story that we talk through is this Good Samaritan story. So for us, uh, we talk a lot about loving people from all places and, and connect back with uh, with the central idea of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And, mm-hmm. and we talk about this Good Samaritan, and it's relevant um, to us and very fascinating to me that when Jesus wanted to describe who is our neighbor, he used a foreigner, um, somebody of a different race, a different religion to drive home his point. And like Gabe mentioned also, um, this person wasn't even just the recipient of compassion. They were actually the hero of the story. And, and for Mission Adelante, that's really key. And um, we just love it. I, my, my process of uh, learning in Costa Rica through being loved myself um, was uh, really opened my eyes to what Scripture says about people from other places. And I didn't realize it, but first of all, this command to love your neighbor as yourself, it's, it's rooted in Leviticus 19. Mm-hmm. And over and over, love them as yourself, love them as yourself. And it's um, talking about and unpacking various different types of people that we're to love as, as ourselves. And it kind of comes to a crescendo, at least in my mind, I, um, there in verses 33 and 34, when it again specifically applies this command to the foreigner who sojourns with you. You shall not mistreat him. You shall treat him as one of your native born. You shall love him as yourself. And, and so we just, we just love that at Mission Adelante. And so I was excited to get to come on a day where you guys were talking about this good Samaritan. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I wonder Jarrett too, and, and anyone from the team, um, if you could tell us, uh, some stories of what God's been doing lately and what you're hoping to see God do in the future with, through Mission Adelante. Well, we've been going at this now for about 14 years, and we are excited because we're in a phase right now over the last year or two, we've seen God begin to raise up leaders who are from different countries to be part of our staff. And so, um, you know, Elise and Giselle are, are both part of that, and they're um, they're playing significant roles in our organization leadership-wise and overseeing a good portion of what we do at this point. And our staff now at this point is eight of our 13 staff members are from other countries. And it's an exciting shift and transition in, in what God's doing there. And part of that is that some young leaders who've grown up in our programs um, started maybe when they were kids or young teens are now joining our staff as apprentices. And so there's this leadership development thing bubbling up that we've been working on now for a long time. And finally, we're starting to see this fruit of long-term investment in the lives of kids and youth. And they are now turning around and serving and making an impact in the community that they grew up in. So that's, I'd say, the biggest thing that we're all excited about right now mm. has to do with that. So That's awesome. Well, maybe... To help us out, what's, what's one thing that we can be praying for you as an organization about? And then two, what's maybe a next step if somebody's wanting to get involved or to learn more about Mission Adelante? Well, I think uh, in terms of prayer, we would love your prayer for this kind of leadership development initiative we have. We're working with the Hope Center and with Freedom Fire Ministries to kind of develop this apprenticeship program. And we have five apprentices on our staff now. And so pray for them. They're young leaders, and God is doing a lot in their lives, and we're just praying that God would raise them up as workers in, in his harvest. So um, that would be the first thing in terms of prayer. Mm. 
Um, in terms of an action step for you guys, we love to make um, serving people from all places really easy um, to access for, for our partners. So we have um, a lot of different opportunities from teaching English to teaching kids. Uh, you don't have to speak another language. Um, teaching, helping with the arts. Uh, we have various programs that are happening different nights of the week. And it's really fun and exciting and pretty easy to connect in with. So we actually have coming up the last week of February and the first week of March uh, observation night. So if you're interested and you just want to check it out and get a little bit more idea of what this is all about, you can come on one of those nights to one of our observation nights and, and check that out. So we'll be here afterwards um, talking about that. The second thing I wanted to mention is um, we do, we've been partnering with Christ Community for the last couple summers um, with Sarah Forsyth and a group of you guys who've come and helped with an arts, an arts camp. And that is, we're going to be doing that again this summer. So just to get that in your mind, um, if, you're, uh, if you want to jump in on that this summer, I think it's the last week of June, and there will be more information about that. But we're, we're excited about the way you guys have uh, helped lead that in the past and continuing on with that. So. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to think about the future and how Sarah's brilliant leadership and collaboration with the brilliant leadership at Mission Adelante has continued to move the ball forward and make it better each year and continue to see more and more children engaged. Also, if you want the dates, they're up there February 25th through 28th, March 4th through 7th. Is that correct? That's correct. Good, good yep. fact checking here. Uh, and then uh, there's the website. If you do want to go check it out, missionadelante.org slash observe. I hope you would um, are able to join us for that. Now, would you, you know, in the midst of this text, people get tired of me talking. Would you all, would you brilliantly just pray for us as a church that we would be more faithful to this call that Jesus has, not just on individuals, but on churches to now go and do likewise. Would you pray for us? Great. Sure will. Thanks. Heavenly Father, we are, we're thankful to just be here together, gathered on a Sunday morning in a warm place and just listening to your word and thinking about the ways that you loved us. And Lord, we know that if there's one mark that should define us as your followers, it should be our love for others. Mm. And we pray, Lord, I pray for this community, this church community, particularly this congregation here in the downtown campus, that you would open up pathways uh, for them to serve, that they would have the kind of heart that is able to see themselves in the other, Lord, uh, to be able to relate with, understand, and empathize with the, with the challenges that people from different situations may face. And Lord, I pray that you would move us together into action, Lord, that we would uh, carry the things that we hear on Sunday over to Monday, and that that would be true and um, applied and put into action in our daily lives throughout the week. And I pray for your grace on this congregation. I thank you for Gabe and his leadership and teaching. And, um, Lord, I thank you for all the ways that uh, Christ community has partnered with Mission Adelante over the years. And, um, Lord, we pray for this year to be um, the best yet. In Jesus' name, amen.